All right. I am not Marco, but I am here because it is another episode of Catching Up with Jacob. Marco is with his family this week, so we just want to wish him uh, happy times on the trails with his family, and I hope this is a good time for them to just catch up. But meanwhile, we're here to catch up with, with Jacob. Jacob, how are you doing this week? I'm well in Jesus, praise the Lord, here in Tennessee. We were in Texas prior to that, New York and Baltimore. But now we are in Tennessee looking forward to Florida, the West Coast, and then back to New York and Baltimore, and then to Britain and beyond. So here we are. Praise God. Praise God. Good to have you here, Jacob. And of course, we have David Lister, also coming from Tennessee. Yeah, it's good to be back home in one's own bed, but uh, we're, we've got some upcoming uh, meetings, which uh, do you want me to read now or later? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, uh, let me activate the itinerary. Let's talk about the itinerary right now. Jacob's going to be in a lot of different places speaking, so take it away, David. All right, we have District Coffee in Nashville. We have a meeting room there for 10 or so people. Um, that starts at 10.30 on Saturday. Uh, you can go on the itinerary and get the uh, address. Then he will be speaking at my house and, on, um, and also on my Zoom church, which uh, is meets in Pittsburgh. If you want to attend that either via Zoom or via uh come over and we're gonna have um, a meeting here and jacob will be speaking in my living room then we're then on thursday next we're headed to um crystal river florida where we have a fellowship meeting on the 25th at 10 o'clock and so the details are there and then followed by we're going to be going south to Florida Atlantic University in Davie, Florida. And the address there, we have a meeting from one to three. Jacob will be teaching um, on March the 3rd. And then we come back to Pittsburgh for a couple of days, nothing going, but we will be out in California at DeVore Church with special guest Dave Rosetto. And he will be speaking with Jacob, and they're having a meeting on Saturday and then on Sunday. And then Jacob will start his way back home, going back to his hometown of New York. And he will speak at the Open Door on Saturday the 18th, followed by Open Door in Baltimore. Um, I think that's reversed, isn't Sunday is the... No, I, that's the 16th, not on Saturday is the 16th. Sorry about that, not the 18th. And the 17th will be Sunday down in the open door, and then Jacob goes back to the U.K., and he will then be coming back. He'll get to visit DeVore and uh, the open door one more time in April, and then he heads over to the Far East, uh, New Zealand, Australia, and on and on so those will go up pretty soon but please pray for us it's, this is this is a schedule for a 20 year old man 
And Jacob and I are a little bit older. but Just uh, a little bit. By way of explanation, the house meeting from David's house, it's not a house meeting. It's a Zoom meeting for Eric's church in Pennsylvania. I said so that, Jacob. Yeah, I know. But it, it, please don't come to David's house for the meeting unless you live really locally. It's a Zoom meeting. Um, it's not a public <laughs> meeting for state. And the other one is in Nashville. There's a... There's a uh, prayer and Bible study group affiliated with us in Nashville of about 10 people, but anybody can come to that one. That is open to anybody who wishes to join us. Okay? When I get back to Britain, I will be in Essex in the south of England, and I am due also with Tim Worth in the north and Mark Jackson in the north of England in Cheshire. Those dates are posted on the Moriel itinerary on Moriel website moriel.org. So we'd be happy to see you if you were in any of these locales. We're certainly looking forward to the Florida meetings. Thank you. So from Florida to Baltimore to New York to Tennessee to California all the way to Essex, there are many places you have an opportunity to hear Jacob and David. Back over and back over and back over. And then we'll get uh, New Zealand and Australia up soon. So be patient, Jacob. Jacob will be coming down under soon. Uh, another guest, surprise guest. Singapore, Japan, and Philippines, yes. And Thailand. Many many places, all points across the map. Another guest yes. that we have today, my tag team partner, the Ric Flair to my Hulk Hogan, Ken Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Hey, how you guys doing? Good to be here today. Miss Marco, but you'll be back next week. Yes, definitely will. Uh, of course, cannot leave out the man behind this curtain, the great Oz himself, Davey from Down Under. Hey, good good to be with you guys. All right. So we've, we're done with roll call. Just want to remind everyone that uh, everything that we do here, Catching Up with Jacob, the Bible Studies, Ken's Corner, all of them can be found on our podcast you can find our podcasts on anywhere where podcasts are broadcast whether it be apple whether it be spotify whether it be amazon podcast pod chasers please download and have them as a backup for those long road trips or flights abroad perfect for eating up the time and learning something at the same same time and anyway, with all the introductions done, let's go ahead and start to catch up. Jacob, our first story that you actually told us about in the pre-show. Um, Biden met with King Abdullah and Joe assured the king that Jewish and Christian prayers would still be banned on the Temple Mount. Has I, I'm sorry. Does does uh, the Temple Mount is that part of the you know like the United States sovereign territory now that they can determine? <laughs> Unfortunately, the late Marshal Diane allowed the Jordanian government via something called the Waf to remain control in control of the Temple Mount. Uh, that was a big mistake, I believe. Many Israelis believe it was a mistake, <clears throat> not just for religious reasons, but for political and strategic reasons. However, the Jordanian government is only a nominal control. The WAF is very much its own identity. It is associated with the Palestinian Authority. It is associated with various other Islamic governments. 
<clears throat> informally. Um, it is responsible for allowing the Al-Aqsa Brigade to perpetrate acts of violence, attacking Jews below, praying at, praying at the Wailing Wall, the Kotel. And then when the Israelis respond, of course, they claim the Temple Mount was violated by Jews, even though they're throwing projectiles to attack Jews below at the Wailing Wall. It is an intense place. Um, just think, the Jewish temple where Jesus preached, and of course, the American government under Joe Obama wants to ban Jews and ban Christians from it, uh, pandering to radical Islam. And this is not just Islam, this is radical Islam. This is the Al-Aqsa Brigade and those who who, who pander to it and, and are supportive of it. Um, unbelievable. But this is the kind of betrayal you see happening with the corrupt American government and the present administration, which is basically the third term of Barack Obama. Now, what you also see here is the fact that he's giving assurances, as you point out. What right does he have to, to assure what Israel's going to do? He tries to treat Israel as an American colony. Um, that he can say this, this, and give these... How can he give assurances about anything that is not under American control? But that's who he thinks he is. You're dealing with a corruptocrat. You're dealing with a senile corruptocrat. His anti-Israel position would be much worse and much more aggressive if it wasn't an election year. He knows, or the Democratic Party knows, they can rely on the stupidity of liberal American Jews to vote Democrat, even if they ran Adolf Hitler for president. They know that there's enough stupid American Jews in New York and California and New Jersey and Connecticut and Florida who are going to vote for Adolf Hitler as long as he's a Democrat. They know they can rely on the stupidity of, of, of the majority of American Jews. Um, not all of them, but the majority of them. And that's the card. So because it's an election year, they're having to be careful. But the anti-Israel policies of the Obama regime right now trying to pressure Netanyahu to acquiesce to a Palestinian state, at the same time, the Palestinian Authority is supporting Hamas and the Hamas agenda, holding hostages and saying from the river, the Jordan to the Mediterranean, the eradication of Israel and Biden is trying to force Israel to acquiesce to making a state that says Israel has no right to exist. This is absurd. This is ridiculous. But this is the Obama administration. What frightens me, of course, is Zechariah chapter 12. Jerusalem will be a heavy stone, and all who lift it will hurt themselves grievously. It doesn't say except the United States. If the United States tries to lift that stone, the United States is going to be hurt. That's what God says. That's what Jesus says. Jesus, speaking in the first person by the Holy Spirit through the prophet Zechariah. All who lift that stone will be hurt. And Obama, <clears throat> acting through Biden, is trying to lift that stone. I pray to God that the judgment of God falls on Biden and Obama and on their administration so that it won't fall on America because of them. I'd rather God raise his mighty hand, I pray, he raises his hand to the destruction 
of the Biden-Obama administration that America will be preserved. If we lift that stone, Zachariah is clear, all who lift it will be hurt grievously, and Joe Obama or Biden is trying to lift it. Yeah, they, I think they're already trying to, to lift it. I think it's they've already got their hands on the rock and they're already moving it by inches. Just by the way the United States is trying to withhold support and give support at the same time to Israel, but at the same time, they've designated Hamas as terrorist organizations, but meanwhile, they talk with the Jordanian king saying, um, the king wants a ceasefire on all coastal enclaves held by Hamas. Now, how do you how do you have diplomatic relationships with with a terrorist organization if you're an American? Don't position? forget something. King Abdullah's father, King Hussein, stated something that Arafat, yes, Arafat stated. One stated it in 1960. One stated in 1970, and one stated it in 1968. Jordan is Palestine. The Jordanian government has acknowledged that there is a Palestinian state, but it is a Palestinian state with a demographic majority of Palestinian Arabs, but a Hashemite Bedouin government uh, from Saudi Arabia, uh, of Saudi Arabian descent, of Arabian descent. So when you are the king and the monarch, and, and you're talking about autocracy here, a real king in, in, the, in the medieval sense, his word is supreme virtually, who has a legacy that he inherited from his father and his grandfather, something that was acknowledged by the British government after the mandate by the League of Nations and by the United Nations that Jordan is Palestine and Palestine is Jordan. Yaref asked, Yasser Arafat claimed it and his father affirmed it. He wants to get another Palestinian state so Jordan won't be it. But the demographic and the geographic reality is that Jordan is Palestine. There already is a Palestinian state, so they need he needs another one to preserve his own interest. That is what fuels everything that he does. Everything. It's what fueled what his father did when his father essentially was opposed to the first Gulf War in 1991. His father opposed it, wanted to leave Saddam Hussein in power after Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. Why? It's this Palestinian issue. He is a Bedouin, Hashemite Bedouin from the family of Mohammed, actually, the, tri the tribal clan of Mohammed. Um who is the king of a Palestinian state. It's a minority government, even though they're all Arabs. Um, that is his predicament, and that is what he looks at. Additionally, let's understand something. The Jordanian government and its monarchs have been on the CIA payroll. I'm positive. Anybody I know who knows what they're talking about is positive. Have been on the CIA payroll since the 1970s at least. We pretty well know this. People were astounded the week before last when the three American military personnel were killed in Jordan. Most people didn't know there are American military personnel in Jordan. Understand that Jordan is a 
covert outpost of the American military and intelligence community. You're dealing with deep politics, deep state corruption, and you're dealing with a politically very and demographically very precarious situation of, of based on self-preservation of of the Jordanian monarchy. That is what it comes to. That explains the behavior of King Abdullah. There's something else. He is King Abdullah II. His great-grandfather, King Abdullah I, was shot dead in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. I have seen the bullet holes in the pillar inside the mosque where his great-grandfather was shot dead by the Mufti's men from the Husseini family of Yasser Arafat for wanting to make peace with Israel during the days of Ben-Gurion. He was shot dead. Like Yasser Arafat, like Bashar Jamiel, he was shot dead for wanting to make peace with Israel. And King Abdullah is haunted by that history. He knows he's in a precarious position. Remember, Black September 1970, to stop a takeover by Fatah of and the Popular Front for Liberation of Palestine in 1970, Black September. The British trained and armed Jordanian Legion Officers were trained in, in Sandhurst, the West Point of, of, of Britain. Systematically massacred between 15 and 18,000 Palestinians in 12 days. They killed a total of 25,000 Palestinians. And they deported, forcibly, thousands and thousands and thousands more from Jordan into refugee camps in Lebanon. That is the kind of history you're dealing with. The Royal Jordanian, the, the royal family of Jordan is in a very, very eggshell situation. They walk on eggshells. They always have to watch their back. They have to watch the Palestinians. They have to watch Syria. They have to watch the West. They're in a precarious situation. They made mistakes in the past. One of their biggest mistakes was allowing Nasser <clears throat> to bamboozle them into attacking Israel in the Six-Day War in 1967. That was their biggest strategic mistake. They don't want to make another one. And they don't want to have to systematically exterminate more Palestinians the way they were forced to do in 1970. But don't think that another Black September is not possible if the Palestinians threaten the Jordanian regime. Now, in order to prevent that, they want another Palestinian state. Oh, that's Palestine, not Jordan. That's what they want to do. They want to remove the legal basis and historical basis. And they want an ignoring of the geographical and demographic basis that Jordan is Palestine. That is his game. Thank you, Jacob. Um... Ken, David, do you have anything to add to the conversation about uh, what's going on between Biden and uh, both uh, Netanyahu and the King of Jordan? Anything to add? He pretty well covered that subject. So. All right. Well, then. Me. Ken, I'll, I'll, I'll lob it to the, you. The, the basis of what I've always said is. <clears throat> Jerusalem is not mentioned in the Quran ever. And it goes to yeah, a deeper, deeper base. It goes to a way deep base. 
you know. And uh, as Jacobs put it many times, you know, there's already a Antichrist um, on the, uh, the the Temple Mount. You know, God has no son. You know, the 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 Quran verse. Abomination so, of desolation. It goes, it, yeah, it goes it goes way into the, the the spiritual aspect of everything. We don't need to get into that, but just want to let you know it's you know the you know Jerusalem's mentioned seven hundred times in the Old Testament, so and zero in the Quran. The Quran just says al-Quds, al-Quds, which some, not all, some Islamic scholars identified with Jerusalem, al-Quds. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no yes. proof that Al-Quds is Jerusalem. There's no, yeah, there's, yeah, solely, yep. It's the third holiest site, according to them, yep. All right, well, uh, let's move on to our next topic. Um, Rasmussen poll just recently came out. It's an amazing poll. Um, the Biden administration is a failure. Yay or nay? And uh, some surprising results. 86% of the respondents said that they do have a grip on reality and Biden is indeed a failure. I guess there's still 14% that are still living in an alternate reality. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it open to the floor. Rasmussen poll. Can we trust it? Rasmussen poll of all the major polls, of all the major ones, has been the one that's been the most consistently credible. Mm -hmm. I don't really pay much attention to any of the other polls. Rasmussen has the track record for being the most accurate over the longest period of time. It, it carries weight. It carries a degree of credibility that the others, even the other major ones don't. The Maris poll and those things, not. But certainly the, the uh, Rasmussen poll, it has a track record going in its favor. And they tend to be nonpartisan. The other polls tend to be partisan. It is not partisan. So, or at least it's if it is partisan, it's less so than the other ones. So the majority of the American people consider the presidency of Biden to be a failure. How could they not? Here's what troubles me. Afghanistan would not have happened. Billions of dollars of military equipment gone to Islamic terror courtesy of Biden and Austin and Blinken and Jake Sullivan and Susan Rice. Billions. Of course, we know Obama pulls the strings. Wouldn't have happened if Trump was president. They only needed three to three and a half thousand American advisors to hold Bagram in the area around um, and, and, and support the government of, of, of Afghanistan support the area around um, Kabul and it wouldn't have happened but Biden gave it to them on a silver platter let 13 Americans get killed doesn't care about them or their families obviously <clears throat> and billions and billions in military aid and opens the door for China don't forget China has a border about 53 miles long with Afghanistan this is what he did. and China's trying to make a play and has made some at least diplomatic gains inside Afghanistan next thing you have to understand is Ukraine would not have happened if Trump was president Putin would not have done that if Trump was in the White House you can't tell something like this to the biased idiots on TV shows like The View those five monkeys who belong in the Washington Zoo 
That's an um, insult uh, to monkeys. That's an insult to monkeys. Yeah. But you get these five ridiculous, five ridiculous old hags who ought to be in a zoo. You can't tell them, look, this would not have happened in Afghanistan. This would not have happened in the Ukraine if Trump had been president. They just don't factor that into the equation, even though they couldn't deny it plausibly. Then it is very unlikely. In fact, it's it, it's absolutely unlikely for all intent and purposes that Hamas would have conducted the October 7th incursion into Israel had Trump been president. Afghanistan wouldn't have happened. Ukraine wouldn't have happened. Gaza wouldn't have happened. And North Korea would not be shooting missiles over Japan again if Trump was president. It all happens because Biden and his pack of baboons. Blinken, Austin, who's back in hospital, he's in hospital on critical condition and Biden commander-in-chief didn't know that the yeah. Secretary of Defense was in critical condition in a hospital. How absurd can you get during a time of crisis in the, in, in the Ukraine and, and, and Gaza? Unbelievable. Um, People can be very stupid, but not that stupid. The only people who can be that stupid are the ones who watch The View. They are capable. They are actually capable of that level of subhuman intelligence. The people who listen to Whoopi Goldberg and Bihar, those people are actually capable of that level of subhuman intelligence. But most people, even Democrats, even liberals, are not that stupid. They know that when you have a consumer price index that does not take into account food and gasoline, the two main things that people are most concerned about with elevating prices, that the inflation is much worse under Biden than it's ever been. After that, the border. After that, a 34 trillion plus deficit. After that, anything. The man is across the board failed. He's a failed president. He's not even in control of himself, let alone the administration or the government. He's an across-the-board failure. Yes, there are those who are stupid enough to still vote for him anyway. There are enough stupid people who will do that. But they will vote for him or for some other Democrat who's no better than him, or no different than him at least, simply because they hate Trump. They're driven by the mm -hmm. hatred of Trump. Forgetting the mm -hmm. fact that black Americans never had it so good in terms of unemployment, in terms of increased family income, in terms of prison reform, blacks never had it so good as they did under Trump. That the economy was in much better shape, much better. Inflation was under 2%. These wars would not be happening in Gaza, in the Ukraine. What happened in Afghanistan wouldn't have happened. North Korea was on a leash. It wouldn't have been happening. But they just forget all that because they're driven by their hatred and they listen mm -hmm. to what they're told by the mainstream media and social media because they're stupid people. But even stupid people cannot be that stupid all the time. They're stupid people. People who vote Democrat, are, and I'm not a Republican, but people who voted for Biden or Obama, they're stupid people. Absolutely stupid people. They're stupid. But even stupid people can't be that stupid as to see Biden, a senile old corruptocrat, a joke who the world laughs at with an incompetent administration. He's surrounded by people who are 
who are totally inept, totally unqualified. People see that. And they vote with their pocketbook. They know that. So we see that. Yes, the Rasmussen poll is very indicative. However, as I'd like to talk about in a few minutes, that does not necessarily assure the Democrats won't win the next election, particularly given the latest re election results. But, but before we get there, Jacob, I wanted to add a question to the panel, uh, especially about this poll. So 86% per of the people who responded to the poll said that the Biden administration is a failure. Conceivably, 50% of the respondents are Democrat. So given that 50% of the 86% are Democrats and feel that the Biden administration is a failure. I'm just going to open up the question to everybody. How many will still vote for Biden, even though they say he's a failure? Ken, you want to go first? I'll go after whatever. I'll go first. Um, you can see that, um, you know, after the her report, a lot of uh, the, the guy who went down to, I think it was uh, Atlanta, and he was talking to a lot of black voters and they were like, I voted for Biden, but I'm definitely voting for Trump this time, Trump this time. I mean, they're actually changing a lot of people, you know, this, this, this report and, and it's, and it's out in the regular news, you know, that's what, that's, what's helping, I guess. And if you want to say helping, but Jacob said that, uh, you know, I, I, I can see that either this, um, this, I've talked about not having an election this year or, um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure 2028 we won't have an election, but this year is kind of up in the air, and uh, and and I I can just see it happening, man. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, in my opinion, we're going to have elections, but they'll be staged. Yeah, 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 like yeah. This year, this year's staged. Yep. They this won't, year they be won't staged, matter. Man. They're going to yep. be staged yep. elections. Yes. See, yes. I, I, well, for me, I know Jacob, when he says they're stupid, he doesn't mean they're congenitally stupid. He just that they make themselves stupid by the repeated yes. errors that they keep making with the same people over and over. They 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 just do this. And so they, the Bible talks about people making themselves stupid. Now, I, yeah. I believe some of this is absolutely the spirit of error on these yes. people. We're, we're seeing Gen, Gen Z now coming into political play, but they're so liberal and so into the the errors of, of ultra-liberalism that permits all sorts of horrible, horrible things that you, you don't even want to talk about, you know? And it's just that the most liberal, crazy things are permissible. Um, so that's happening and also because i don't believe they're they're stupid the leadership part because i think they're really wise when it comes to being able to rig elections wise okay. when it comes to be able yeah. to, to manipulate things like i said i i knew the democrats back in the 80s when i lived there in chicago i knew where the warehouse was where uh, you went and picked up things and i also knew how to, as a poll worker, how to get rid of Republican voters in your thing. So they're not stupid when it comes to being wise in the ways of the Satan and how to to get an election. And now we saw the video just the other day of um, 
a man testifying in court that he rigged a poll down in of an election down in Florida and nobody could know about it because it just runs behind the scene. So they know how they know how to manipulate the machines yeah. to change your vote. Now, the Dominion, if, Dominion yeah. machines can be manipulated with just a pencil. Yep. With a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And so and so the Republicans do not you need to have a you need to have Republican poll workers in every precinct in America. But they don't. You have Democrat poll workers and Democrat election judges in the polls. And so they're going to do what they're going to do. They're they're hacks, political hacks, and they're just like the judge that just just uh, in New York that was a, is a political hack that just brought the election down on uh, on on Trump three hundred seventy million dollars or three hundred fifty million. He wanted uh, the Anita Hill, I believe her name, and that might not be right. Anita Ella, she uh. She's a hack, ran on get Trump. This court, he would not, that judge would not allow a uh, a jury trial. He would not allow this to be moved over to commercial division, which is where it would be supposed to be. And it would have been kicked out because nobody lost any money here. So everybody and his brother knows this is the type of politics that the Dems are playing everywhere. They are going after Trump. They're going after the elections. They're going after the machines. And if people don't wake up, I, I have I I don't know if Trump can win. Not that I I I just don't know that a Republican can win anymore. I believe it's um, Letitia it's, James of New York went after. Yes, his, thank you. Yeah. After who ran yeah. on get Trump? Correct. Whose campaign? Get that Trump. that so, was the only oh, substance she had. That was the only yeah. substance. No. You've got so, a, a governor who has the power to remove Bragg as district attorney in New York. Bragg, a man who lets violent criminals go to commit more crimes. And instead of removing him, the governor doesn't, that huckle. These people are completely corrupt. Totally corrupt. The only justice is People who voted for them tend to be the victims of the crimes most commonly. That people who yeah. vote Democrat are the ones getting stabbed, raped, you know, murdered, robbed. That's the only justice in this. Yeah. And the people who vote Democrat is please. they reap what they that's the only justice to be found in it. Hmm. Yeah, the cities are being destroyed. You know, I, I read a statistic. It's interesting that if you remove New York, <clears throat> Chicago, LA um, I think it was Denver and one other city from the list of yeah. murder. We would be yeah, 189 Detroit. in the world as far as murders. But yeah, yeah. when you put it back in, we're number four. Hmm. Yes. So that's how much violence is going on in your cities. If you're out there and living in those cities, might be time to move down to Tennessee. Yes. <laughs> I remember back in 72, uh, Joe Biden went after a, an incumbent. Um, it says his name was Cale Boggs, and his age was 63. And he, and he went after him and said he was too old. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, 
I mean, Biden has always been a, a bad man. He was a oh, he yeah. used to talk so bad about blacks that you know if a Republican had said those things, they would have been drummed out oh. of the out of the oh yeah, legislator yeah everywhere. He was a racist. He was, he was a racist. You know, but and thankfully, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. put a video out of all of his horrible, re- despicable remarks. You know, mm. but mm-hmm. but I guess they're so spiritual. So many people are so spiritually blind right now that they they're they're reaping what they stone. Mm-hmm. Speaking of someone who's it- a, a, a complete racist, as the next of uh, the the next story, uh, Fannie Willis okay. had a very interesting day uh, before a judge. Uh, Jacob, you brought this before us. Look, talk a little bit about what you saw. He actually made the statement when questioned about her boyfriend with whom she was having an affair, a married man, still legally married. So it's an adult it's, it's an adulterous relationship. He's what? he's into adultery with her. And no prosecutorial experience. He is not a prosecuting attorney, never been a DA, never been a prosecutor, nothing like that. She pays him $700,000 of taxpayer money. They go on five vacation cruises together, expensive ones, top hotels. She is being remunerated indirectly for giving a job to somebody for which he was eminently not qualified. He was not that kind of a lawyer. And... He admits that they were sleeping together while he was married to a different woman. He's an adulterer. And she says, at the inquest, I will not emasculate a black man. What is the fact that he's a black man? So you would emasculate a white one? Well, yeah, you would. You would emasculate a Hispanic or Native American or an Asian? This woman is a racist. Can you imagine what would happen if a white person, a white politician, particularly a Republican or a conservative, said anything like that? What the media would do. It's just like Eric Adams in New York. His racist statements. He doesn't talk about affirmative action and why he became a police captain. If, 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 if Did he make it by meritocracy or by affirmative action, by skin color? And he brags about how he passed up the white people and, and, and belittling whites because he was more smarter than they were. Was he? But even if he was, what if a white person had said that? Oh, I don't know that he was. I suspect if he's affirmative action from OT. But leaving that. Barack Obama's church. Jeremiah Wright. God damn America. That was, he preached it. Barack Obama and his wife are giving $500 a week to that church, and they had Louis Farrakhan, a crazy man who says he rides in flying saucers over Chicago, who's a vehement anti-Semite and a racist. Can you imagine if a white Republican went to a church that had David Duke or somebody speaking at it? Would they get away with it? There's always two standards. This terrible woman, Willis, goes to a church where a white racist shot black people in Charleston, 
because it's a suitable location for propaganda purposes, stands in the pulpit, does not deny the adultery, does not deny this guy has no background as a prosecutor, does not deny the $700,000, does not deny the vacations and the remuneration, denies none of it, but says she's being persecuted because she's a racist. Same as gay, president of Harvard, only had her job because of her skin color and her gender, her sex, mm-hmm. whatever it is. An anti-Semite, a defender of horrific anti-Semitism, 20 years of proven plagiarism, writes an article in the New York Times saying she's not a plagiarist, even though she admits she didn't attribute sources to things included in her thesis and academic papers. That is what the definition of plagiarism is. If a student did that, they could face expulsion from the university. Her plea? They're coming after me because I'm black. Forget forget about the anti-Semitism. Forget about the plagiarism. It's because I'm black. These people are racist. These people, Fanny Wills, and Gay and Eric Adams, they are just as racist as David Duke. They're just as bad as the Klan or what's left of the Klan. They're just as bad as what they protest they're against. They're just as bad as what they protest they're the victim of. They're nothing but racist. A racist is a racist pig. The Ku Klux Klan were filthy racist pigs. David Duke is a disgusting human being. I consider him to be a pig in a human body. Well, I consider Fannie Willis and Eric Adams. I consider Jeremiah Wright. I consider all these people and gay to be pigs in human bodies because a racist is nothing but a filthy pig. And I don't care if that racist is white. I don't care if they're black. I don't care what they are. That includes Joe Biden. Joe Biden has a history of anti-black racism. Robert F. Kennedy publicly demonstrated it. But he gets a pass. The media gives him a pass. Are they talking about it? No. 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 Hillary Clinton's mentor was Byrd, a grand dragon in the Klan. Does she get away with it? Yes. She gets a pass. George Favor, the mentor of Bill Clinton, an arch segregationist. That was his mentor. Does he get away with it? Yes, Bill Clinton gets a pass. Hillary Clinton gets a pass. Al Gore's father, U.S. Senator, voted against civil rights, an ultra segregationist from Tennessee. Does Al Gore get a pass? Of course he does. They all get a pass. It's not about race, it's about politics. They simply play the race card for political reasons. They don't care about black people. They don't care about anybody but themselves. It's about power and money. If they can use race, they will use it. If they can use sexual orientation, they will use it. If they can use gender or sex or whatever, they will use it. 
They'll use anything they can to create a victim mentality. As long as it's a lie that works to their advantage, they will tell the lie. No matter how hypocritical, that's what they will do because that's what they are. Banking on the stupidity of people. How can a black person vote for somebody who was pro-segregation like Joe Biden? How can a black person vote for Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton when their mentors were racist or Al Gore's? But they do. And how can anybody say that Eric Adams and Fannie Wills and Letitia James and Bragg and Gay are anything other than racists? They're simply David Duke with a different distribution of skin pigmentation. Their skin pigmentation is the only thing that makes them different than David Duke. You know, Jacob, Booker T. Washington, going back a hundred, almost a hundred years, he said that there are many among us Negroes who like yep. to keep problems of the Negro at the forefront for their own monetary gain. And this is what these people are doing. I mean, even Schumer came to power by take getting black people to move out of their homes so they could be rehabbed and they would get better homes. They move out and then the homes were rehabbed in that area. And uh, gee, it was 95% white. Yep, that's what they did in areas of Brooklyn. That's why you see that Brooklyn being gentrified and the trendy neighborhoods. They simply moved the blacks out. What did they do with Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans? Moved the blacks out and redeveloped New Orleans for upper income people. Put the blacks mm -hmm. into or, or housing projects in Houston or something like that because they want to turn Houston, Texas Democrat. Send them to Houston. That's what they do. That's exactly, it's all manipulated. The media mm -hmm. is party to it. It is unbelievable that they get away with it, but get away with it, they do. Now let's understand something about the election rigging. You've got the, the John McCain syndrome, the loser legacy. <clears throat> People like Romney and John Cornyn of Texas and Mitch McConnell, they would rather pander to the Democrats then pander to the conservatives and libertarians. They're anti-Trump. They'd rather the Democrats win because ideologically they're the same as Democrats. More or less. More than less. It wouldn't be happening. The Republic, If half the country's Republican, the Republican Party should have the political potency to stop this election rigging. But they don't. Kemp regime in, in Georgia doesn't do it. Remember, rhinos are as bad as Democrats. John Cornyn is no better. No better than, than, than Chuck Schumer. No better. Mitch uh, Romney. He's even worse than many Democrats. He's even worse than many Democrats. This is what you're dealing with. The useless, uselessness of the Republican Party and its leadership. 
you know, Jacob, this Brett Bart, who kind of started making people aware of what rhinos were, his marching orders were, let's get rid of the rhinos first, then we can go after the Democrats. Yes. But we're yes. going after the Democrats. And so, see, I see rhinos as worse than what you're saying, because, and worse than okay. Democrats, because they stab you in the back. They've yes. been stabbing us in the back for so long, promising of this. Ted Cruz said it right. They run all conservative, but when the doors are shut down there in voting time, they vote liberal. And that people is the House of Bush. That that is the stinking garbage House of Bush. Yeah. People should mm -hmm. go to conservative score and actually look at the way politicians vote. You would see Lindsey Graham has a D score. In other words, yep. he votes more for the Democrats on social liberal policies than he does with the Republicans. Same thing for McConnell. All these guys, they have terrible voting scores. You never believe what a politician says. You only look at the voting record. And Why is Stephen Collins or Mikowski even in the Republican Party? Well, Mikowski yeah. got supported or John by John Cornyn. Or John Cornyn. He's the other scab. Yeah, Mikowski got supported by Tim Scott, which that did it for me for that Tim. That disappointed me. Yep. Going back I to liked Danny Tim Willis. Scott. I, I liked that. him, but man, that's stupid. Sorry, real quick, I'd like to go back to Fanny Willis real quick and ask a real quick question to Ken, or anybody can actually answer okay. it. Um, is it safe to say that because these people were put in by affirmative a action, that their insecurity that they have about their accomplishments has turned into hostility against other races. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, she literally says, out in, in public, she literally said um, uh, yesterday, I think it was, she said taking campaign cash and keeping it at her house was okay. It's, it's, it's just straight up, hey, this is what I did. I'm done. Yeah. Next question. So, it's ridiculous. the the, the whole the, the whole trial's ridiculous. Her her persecuting Trump is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. She's obviously not that smart. She's an affirmative action no. lawyer. Gay no, was yes, not that yes. smart. Smart that, black. They're, they're, yeah. Like yeah. Professor Walter Williams. God bless his yes. memory. And and yes. Thomas and and Candace Owen. They don't yes. need smart blacks. Don't need this garbage. They're smart people. Ben yes. Carson doesn't need this garbage. It is only trashy, stupid blacks that need this garbage. Yep. Black There's high no achievers part. and some of the smartest people in America are black. Thomas mm -hmm. Sowell. That man, if anybody doesn't oh, listen to Thomas Sowell, they're out of their minds. If there's anybody yep. this country should listen to, it's him. Yep. What's going on here? They denigrate the smart blacks to elevate the affirmative action trash. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then and at the same point, they call him Uncle Tom's, which is which is even yeah, worse. Yeah, if he, yeah. Every single yeah, one. If they never read the book, if anybody read the book of Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe or saw the play, they would know that Uncle Tom was not an Uncle Tom. He was flogged to death 
by Simone Legree for not disclosing where runaway slaves were hidden. Uncle Tom was not even <coughs> an Uncle Tom. That was an invention of Marcus Garvey, the false prophet of the Rastafarian movement um, mm -hmm. that spoke brief for sacramentally. Uh, and, and here come the Babylon and all that stuff. This was Marcus Garvey. Uncle Tom was not an Uncle Tom. If anybody read the book, they'd see that the black collaborator with the corrupt white establishment in the, in the plantation period was Sanbo, Sanbo Tom. Sanbo was the one, not Uncle Tom. He was not an Uncle Tom. It's the Sanbo. Well, Barack Obama is a Sanbo, albeit a Oreo cookie half-white Sanbo. Michelle mm -hmm. Obama is a Sanbo. Joy Reid is a Sanbo. These are Sanbos. They no simply problem. do the of the liberal white establishment. Look what's it's happening right now in Washington. Liberal whites don't want, don't want desegregated schools now. That was liberal whites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These people they betray their own race, Jacob, by their their mm -hmm. actions. Yeah. Democrats who vote liberal are simply the stooges of white liberals, of the uh, of the descendants of the old Jim Crow slavery plantation legacy. That's what they are. Yeah. They're the Sambos. All right. We, but I am, I am happy to see that some rappers and influencers are working to change some black votes. I don't know if it's going to be enough, yeah. but they are starting to see through their betrayal. Some mm -hmm. rappers are just, are just Comics all who, hit, who hit it big in the music industry, and then they're going to lose their money or wind up dead like Big Z Smalls or Tupac. However, other rappers are actually street smart. The, the, the lyrics and stuff they show is street smart. Don't underestimate street smarts any more than you should underestimate intellectual smarts. There are people who have street smarts who are more clever than people with a bachelor's degree in communications. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. Uh, moving on to our next story, and I just want to remind everybody that uh, we will be taking a few questions at backstage, so please get them into our good friend Davey. He's monitoring our rumble, and we will be sure to ask Jacob. David and Ken. Different questions depending on who you focus them on. Our next story, um, for the first, well, for the first time uh, in recent years, Tokyo, this Tokyo stock market has overtaken uh, the Hong Kong Hansing, but uh, it seems that Tokyo has, um, Japan has slipped from the third largest economy in the world to the fourth it was overtaken by Deutschland or Germany. Yep, Deutschland, 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 Deutschland. Mm -hmm. But this look, look, look at uh, it. It's 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 tragic comical. It's a comedy of errors. Not only the Hong Sing in Hong Kong, which was had been a massive stock exchange, which destroyed. But Shanghai, the Wall Street of Asia, has been overtaken by the Tokyo Stock Exchange again. Tokyo used to be the biggest. Now it's the biggest again. Not because Japan is growing, but because China is shrinking. But now it gets really interesting. Now it becomes really ludicrous. Japan has sunk from the third biggest economy in the world 
to the fourth, overtaken by Germany. Japan has entered recession, as has Britain. Mm -hmm. Japan has slipped to fourth place as the biggest economy in terms of GDP after Germany. But Germany has been in recession for nearly two years. How can you fall to fourth place on back of Germany when Germany has been in recession and remains so? The German hmm. economy is declined substantially. We'll find recovery not easy. Yet, it's overtaken Japan, not because Germany's doing well, but because Japan is doing badly. Yeah. The Tokyo Stock Exchange has overcome, overtaken Shanghai. Not because Japan is doing well, but because China is doing worse. <laughs> There's no winners. There's only losers. Losers and bigger losers. You couldn't make this up. Yeah, but finally, wait a second. Finally, the UK and Japan this week, looking at the final quarter of 2023, both Great Britain and Japan are formally in recession, more than two quarters of reverse economic growth. Japan and the UK have joined Germany as being in recession. There's no winners. There's only losers and bigger losers. <laughs> Again, it is absolutely astounding. It is hideous. But that's the reality. Well, one of the things that's happening, Jacob, is while they're going into recession, which should be, which slows down the spending of the individuals because... Uh, but you have at the same time inflation, which is freaking everybody out. And that, so so real spending is actually going down and um, it's it's hurting the economy there more. So we may see this accelerate. And this is and and, and this is on top of how my, the, the Japanese government is being very accommodating to trying to to handle this and they're being good in the stock market uh, but nothing's working nothing is working and yeah, i'm, the, I'm the afraid stock market's not done well just that china has done worse yeah something well, else yeah. Has happened now you have a big division in china in terms of economic output between coastal china and inland china and this gap is getting bigger and bigger and bigger We've seen this in Northern Italy and Southern Italy, Northern England, Southern England, the American South before the 1960s and the Midwest and, and the Northeast and, and the West Coast. That kind of gap now exists in China and it's getting worse and it's going to become worse still. It's unbelievable. No winners, only losers and bigger losers. It's not who's doing well, it's who's doing the least bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, the government of Japan is trying to pump money into the economy, and because wage pressures are are coming along, so they're going to give them billion trillion dollars or more, and they have a budget deficit. I mean, a GDP deficit that's bigger than the U.S. 
So, Absolutely. you know, it, and this, this, this trend is going to continue into at least the first half of this year. And um, with them down, Germany down, and while the UK is not as bad, they're still headed into recession. And who knows oh, what's going to happen? Now in recession. Yeah, that, no, yeah, yeah, a deeper yeah. recession. But they they just barely <clears throat> slip uh, one point oh one percent is something like that. So it's not <clears throat> bad, but it's great. But um, the, the, it's print more money, man. The British government yeah. Bank of England won two percent inflation. It is four yeah. percent despite prolonged despite prolonged high interest rates, they still yeah. don't have the inflation down. Inflation is still there at about four percent. They want it down to two. How is it going to end? It's not going to end anytime soon. Uh and Sunak is not a very good prime minister. Another mm-hmm. mistake Britain made is not having Suella Braverman, she should have been the prime minister, not Sunak. Um, Suella Braverman should be the PM. But the Tory party is in trouble politically now. They're in trouble politically. Um, With the Labour Party, that is absolutely atrocious. Nonetheless, that is the reality in Britain. That is the reality in Germany. That is the reality in Japan. And that is the reality in China. The U.S. is artificially artificially boosting its economy it seems Mm -hmm. to be doing better than all the others but not with a 34 trillion dollar deficit let no one tell you differently and not with a cbi that does not take into account gasoline and food it's a lie the american government is lying but the chinese government is lying we do not know how high the public debt is in china between the local the regional and the national and the corporate mm-hmm. and the private. We don't know how big it is, but it's a lot bigger than what they admit, which is about 260-something percent. It's much bigger than that in China. Japan, it's more than 200% of GDP. The United States, thanks to Biden or Obama, it's climbing. Now, let's also understand something else. Although he was not as bad as the others, he was only a lesser of evils comparatively. Donald Trump did nothing to take on the deficits. It continued to grow under Donald Trump. Not mm. like it is with Biden. Not He didn't do what Reagan did. Reagan really was the hyper-deficit, the, the, the harbinger of hyper-deficitism was Ronald Reagan, who lo- looted Social Security and various other things. That was Re- Reagan. Uh, a, 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 a pseudo-conservative, okay, a Republican. Um, who people still stupidly think was a conservative. Well, he was certainly not, but they think that. Um, then what happened with with Obama was outrageous. With Trump, it was not as bad, but it was not good. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it cannot keep getting this big. Although it is a smaller percentage of GDP than the other countries, 34 trillion is 34 trillion. How long can this go on? Yeah, musical chairs. Who's going to get caught? And what I think you're going to see, I don't know that for sure, but usually the bag of tricks, having been through five recessions in my life, uh, maybe six, um, is you're going to see possibly tax cuts. But yes. 
you know, and so they try to pump that up to put money back into the economy so people can buy and spend more. But it's usually a, comes way too late. It should have already been done. Not but only that, might- unless you have, unless you have a, a fiscal reduction in, in the budget, unless you have yeah. a cut in, massive cuts in federal spending, you're only going to increase inflation. You're going to increase the deficit. It's but not going it to do anything. Yeah, they do it for votes, but it's not going to address the problem. It's too little, too late. And then also on top of that. It'll make you know, it worse. It'll make it worse. Yeah, tax- it it's like Reagan. Reagan buying aircraft carriers with credit cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't have the money, don't spend it. Yeah, but and another thing that happens, Jacob, is people, when they see the inflation keeps coming, they're more apt to go out and buy and say, oh, I better buy it now because it's going to be more down the road. You know, they don't, they yes. quit saving. So that goes down, you know, and, and, it, That's and then, also what happens in China. Let's understand yeah. something. The yeah. phenomena of not just stagflation, but a deflationary economy where people won't buy something because they think in six months from now it's going to be a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> There's a disincentive yeah. to spend. Yeah. So also, you know, places like Japan, they'll they'll lower the price of their cars and then try to subsidize them through the government so that people will buy them. You know, so that you might see some downward pressure there on cars, and that, which means that America, whoever buys these cars, then the the consumer debt goes through the roof. I think we have right now record record consumer household debt. Yeah, but it's not only that. When governments do things like that, subsidized production, and they're doing it in America with solar panels and whatever, when governments and wind, but when governments do things like that, one or two or both are going to happen. More inflation, bigger deficit, or both. Nobody gives you something for nothing other than God. <clears throat> Very true. No. Uh, well, maybe he'll come back gain. soon. Short-term it's- political gain until the bill comes in the mail. Just, just mm-hmm. think of a credit card. Just think of irresponsible use of a credit card. Well, I wanted to speak a little bit about that. Now, Jacob, right now, even though Japan is going through a recession, they are buying military weapons at a rate that has yeah. not been seen since the 1940s. They are rearming Japan yeah. for they a... Have choice. Yeah, they have no choice. Correct. Mm-hmm. They feel abandoned by by American the American alliance. So the only the only way Thanks that they can Thanks to Joe Obama, they have no choice. Thanks to Joe Obama, yeah. they have no choice. Now I'm not against them building up their own military and getting yeah. not getting a free ride in the back of the American taxpayer. I have no problem with that. I'm just saying that's the reason it's happening. Yeah, yeah. building got the same thing in Europe. Notice the Europeans are spending more on their own defense now because they know they cannot yeah. rely on America anymore. Now, they should spend more on their own defense, but understand the reason why they're doing it. Japan is building these submarines that uh, should help them if China comes after them. They're, they're super quiet, super advanced, and they're actually diesel uh, electric, not nuclear, which is interesting yes. because... They're super quiet and advanced. 
So they're cranking hmm. them out. I think they're doing one every year or two. I'm not sure. I can't the remember. The fact that the diesel electric means they're cheaper. Yep. Correct. That's another thing. Correct. And you put all of this on the back of the fact that the demographics in Japan, it's not anything that they're trying to address. It just slips nope. further and further. The people who are supporting Japan are shrinking as far as working aged adults. And the expansion of the elderly that needs state pensions, state funds, state health care, all of that is increasing every single year while yep. less and less children are being born in that country. Yep. And that's not only China and Japan. It is South Korea. Hmm. South Korea is in at least as bad condition as Japan is. Exactly. Because... Uh, our generation is most people on Social Security, and you know, mm -hmm. I think we're going to try to drain it before we leave. Hey, yes, yeah. David. <laughs> Gen X really appreciates that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just for you, Jay. Just for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just keep working. Yeah, <laughs> we appreciate yeah, it. Me, me, David, and Jacob are in that same category, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, God bless you guys. Deserve it. I, I, yeah. Luckily, I, I have a mind I can still work. Yes, yeah. we've earned it. Yeah, <laughs> I would tell you to invest and, and you know and don't count on it. But I yeah. think I would say more likely or not, Jesus is going to come before you need it. Oh, hallelujah! Hope, yeah, hallelujah! I do too. I I, I pray that every day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move oh, on to our next help. story. We've got a few more minutes before we go to backstage. So I, I definitely want to get to this next story. Uh, Jacob, you brought this up. Um, George Santos has lost his seat to a Democrat. And now the Pennsylvania House is now in the control of the Democrats. Yes. Um, just like before, I believe in the election of 2022, the projections were a red wave. And it turned out to That's be a right. red trickle. Um, the are we seeing the political same leadership thing? Of Republican, yeah, the failed po political leadership of the Republican National Committee and of Donald Trump. And of Donald Trump. Now notice, once Donald Trump hosted with that, that, that late woman from Arizona, the gay gala, the homosexual gala at Mar-a-Lago, and then began to modify his position on abortion um, in the wrong direction. I believe God took his hand off Donald Trump. Donald Trump bears primary responsibility for what happened in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, and to a degree, at least, in New Hampshire. You can blame the RNC and the rhinos, and that's just as well, but we cannot give Donald Trump immunity from culpability. He is responsible. Herschel Walker's a nice guy, but he couldn't take on Warnock. They had that black conservative woman, Catherine Barron, I believe her name was. He backed Amos Oz, a Muslim, and Fetterman won the election. Now, Fetterman has not turned out to be as bad as we thought, but he's a Democrat. Same thing in New Hampshire. Um, it's not good. Donald Trump's political leadership has not been competent. Now he is trying to put his daughter into the chairmanship of the RNC. That looks imperial. 
that looks like nepotism. It is not. Now, I know he wants to surround himself by people he can trust, which is family. He's been betrayed so often by rhinos and by, by neocons. But it looks bad. I did not approve of him having Jared Kushner involved in his administration, and I do not approve of his daughter being the RNC chairman nominee. Mm. Donald Trump bears the lion's share, or at least half the responsibility, the RNC, the rest, for what happened in 2022. They lost in the Senate. They lost in the Senate. They were positive they were going to regain it, and they lost narrowly won the House, and now they've lost further. In New York, another seat, reducing the narrow Republican majority in the Senate by another, in the House, by another seat. And Pennsylvania, a crucial, a crucial swing state, a crucial swing state next November, has now flipped to the Democrats. Donald Trump is not a good leader politically. God's hand is no longer on that man. You cannot listen to people like Newt Gingrich and, and Dick Morris and whatever you they, they have no credibility anymore. They should be ignored. Their track record is too bad. And we should have no confidence in Donald Trump. I don't believe God's hand is on him anymore. I believe he bears 50% at least of the responsibility of what happened in the midterms in 2022. And it does not look all that promising for 2024. Don't think the Republicans can't lose. People knew how disastrous Biden was with the inflation in 2022 and every and the wars with, with the Ukraine and with, with Afghanistan. They knew that. And still they made gains in the Senate and nearly kept control of the House. That is because of the useless garbage the Republican Party and its leadership are. The RNC chairman. I'm glad she's gone. But who are they going to get next? Donald Trump's daughter? Mm. What is it, a family enterprise? Donald Trump must accept responsibility for his failed leadership in 2022, but he doesn't. I don't see any bright future on the horizon. The Republicans may win. I hope the Democrats lose. But I don't think it's going to be a shoe-in. I can see how they can lose. It was unthinkable they would lose in 2022, and they virtually did. Don't think it can't happen again. Look at what's happened in Pennsylvania. Look at what's happened in New York. And I'm telling you, God's hand is no longer on Donald Trump the way it was. To, to go along with the topic, I find it very interesting, uh, Ken, that you have a person who was the, the RNC chair before Ronald McDaniels, is Michael Steele. He is now a con top contributor for MSNBC. Now that yes. Mitt Romney's little daughter is gone, I'm, I mean, sorry, Mitt Romney's niece, where do you think yes. is, is CNN? Niece. CNN? I <laughs> <laughs> ABC. They always get. I don't. I, I, yeah. I don't care if it's a. Uh, it's a uh, Republican or Democrat. They always end up in. In uh, uh, where? Where the? Um, the. Uh, um, who was the former uh, speaker of the of the of the? 
RNC? Who followed? Who who followed K? Yeah, who was before KJ? KJP. Oh, uh, oh, what was what's her, her name? name? Yes, the Raggedy yes, Ann. Um, Raggedy Ann. Raggedy Ann. I, I, she has her own show. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she has her own show. Yeah, they have their own show. Even even McInerney uh, was on Fox for a little while, right? Isn't she on Fox? So I don't care what side. It's just it's 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 all a joke. It's all it's all corruptocrats. Both sides. Uh, Both this sides. just in uh, breaking news. Actually, Donald Trump ordered mm. to pay three hundred fifty million in New York civil trial case by corrupt judge Arthur F. Engoron. Mm. $350 million. Uh, David, you are muted. That's what I was talking about a little earlier, that that, that went out. So, mm. Yeah, mean, we... yeah. Well, it's... it's oh, Jen Psaki is, is raggedy on. She... She yeah, has her Jim show. Saki, but, that's right. But even more to the point, you know, these are Republican national chairs that then have a relationship mm -hmm. with liberal mainstream media. And yes. you know a person that is connected to Mitt Romney has the same ends with with the liberal media state, the MSN. Absolutely. Yeah. So look look yeah. forward to lots of commentary from her during her times trying to write the Republican Party. Which I'm sure she yeah. thinks she's a victim, much like Fannie Willis. Of course, of course. <laughs> All right, we're coming to the uh, end of this portion of catching up with Jacob. It's been uh, one more one more point that we did not talk about. Correct. Very briefly, it's important. There was a fear among the Democrats that Robert Kennedy, because of his family name, would divide the Democratic vote. But now there is a prospect of Manchin, a Democrat, and Romney, a Republican, forming a ticket. This would not just hurt the Democrats, it would hurt the Republicans co-equally. Mm. The only question is who it would hurt more. Would it hurt the Republicans more or the Democrats more? But a Romney would draw rhinos away from Trump. Yes. And... Manchin would draw centrist Democrats away from Biden or whoever else they get to take his place. This is a very interesting factor that's come into play, in addition to Robert Kennedy. Very interesting indeed. Just mentioning it. Absolutely. Uh, one more story that I wanted to try to get in. Uh, we have seven minutes to cover it. Um, inflation and the economic woes for the Biden. Will it make a difference for the uh, election? Uh, will people wake up to the reality that the economy is in serious issues? I want to go over this article from Zero Hedge, and I'm going to give you the numbers of the layoffs at each company. And I just want you to listen, and then you guys can all react, please. Uh, from Twitch, which is a social media company that does videos similar to YouTube, 35% of their workforce is gone. Roomba, manufacturers of the famous Android vacuum, 31%. Hasbro toy line, 20% gone. The LA Times, 20% of the workforce reduced. Spotify, 70%. Levi Jeans, 15%. Xerox, 15%. Qualtrics, 14%. Wayfair, 13%. Diolinga, 10%. Washington Post, uh, WAPO, 
uh, does I believe Amazon owns the Washington Post. Ten percent workforce gone. Twelve. Ten uh, percent of the workforce. eBay nine percent. Business Insider eight percent. PayPal seven percent. Okta seven percent. Charles Schwab six percent. DocuSign six percent. Cisco five percent. UPS two percent. BlackRock three percent. Paramount three percent. Citigroup, 20,000 employees gone. Pixar, oh boy. 1,300 employees gone. These are very, very vital. A lot, some of these are very vital to the, to the, the economy of the, the country. Not only that, but some of these are leaders of business around the world. Uh, with yeah. these types of layoffs, do they see something that the American, the, the common American person does not see? UPS, 12,000, mainly uh, upper uh, management also. Wow. Yeah, yep. Cisco, 4,000. Yeah. Remember I, I remember I did this partial list, James? Remember I did this partial list? Yeah. So it, 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 it's gotten bigger. I, I think I did it like three weeks ago, right, yep. on Ken's Corner? And, 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 and this is three weeks later, and it's just – it's starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's starting to – that's a – you know, it's, you need to follow this. This is this is when the, everything contracts. It's when things start contracting. I bet it's you. all. It's definitely these are are for profitability. I mean, that's what Wall Street, Bloomberg, all these guys are talking about. They're yeah, looking yeah, for profitability, yeah, yeah. and what can we get rid of? Okay, and you always cut labor first because that's always your biggest expense. You know, so. The other and dimension to this, of course, is AI taking over jobs. Yes. Another yeah. fact yeah. is the advent of AI taking over jobs. Yeah. Um, yes. Talking to my yes. UPS guy, he, he said, those guys up there that are being cut, they don't know what's going on anyway. You know, so it, it, wow. it's always the sergeants and the worker bees that actually make do the work. You know, I'm sure that there's business management, but. Uh, but you're hearing, you're hearing, uh, you're hearing, you're hearing things like it's. I've never seen it this bad before, mm -hmm. you know, by by each each person in each industry. So, yeah. To Jacob's point, we're going to try to fit this one in here. Here's a video, Jacob, and I. The, to your point, how AI is taking over the industries. Here is a video yes. that was created by AI from a text prompt, and the text prompt basically said create a scene of a marketplace with two people following them through a tokyo marketplace in winter with cherry blossoms in the air and the ai came up with this oh man i want to go there looks beautiful oh, wow looks wow. nice wow ai generated. that's ai that's AI generated. Wow. So, well, as unfortunately, as, snow would have killed them. <laughs> blooms. Yeah, there, there is that. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Yes, there shouldn't be any. Oh, we don't have any blooms on our trees out here. <laughs> but this goes to a deeper oh. matter. What Jacob's talking about is absolutely correct. If you can use a text prompt create a scene like that a minute scene like that 
How? Mm -hmm. Why do you need an expensive location camera shoot anymore when AI can? That's right. When AI can do it all for you. That's why. Yeah. There has been writer strikes in Hollywood. That is why there has been actor strikes in okay. in Hollywood. They want to prevent this technology being incorporated to their industry. But this has greater ramifications stop, stop than that. They'll never stop it. On the contrary, that technology that at present is only affordable by Paramount or the major studios or Disney or something or mainstream media or or social media. That technology is going to become a consumer durable, and people will be able to do it on their own computers, their own tablets even. Um, it's only a matter of time. They're not going to stop it. YouTube actually is one of these things that are facilitating this change in the habits of people going to the regular streaming sources. Now you will see an advent of many individual creators using this to create yes. all yes. all new uh, forms of entertainment, really. But more yes. to the point, um, how easy would it be, gentlemen, I, I leave this last question to you, to use AI to come up with a scene that would maybe disgrace a politician or to um, perhaps show an event that could facilitate a war, uh, you know, that uh, everyone believed and reported as the truth but was just yep. a, uh, you know, a fabrication of AI. Yep. 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 I just wonder Orson Welles' uh, War of the World. You, you read my mind, David. Yeah, I was thinking of that, the the broadcast mm -hmm. of Planet America, and that was just radio. Yep. Imagine yep. what this could do. Yes. Yes. The yes. Earth people are going to love it. The flat Earth people will love it because they're thinking, you use it so the Earth is flat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ken, you have anything that, anything you want to add to that? Oh. No, I'm 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 good. <laughs> right. Well, that uh, concludes our show for the front stage of catching up with Jacob. Uh, if you want to catch us on the back end, watch backstage. Please move over to Rumble. We're going to put Jacob on the hot seat. We're going to ask him some questions. Hopefully. We can get David and Ken to jump in on some of those questions as well. And then we have our final story of the day. You don't want to miss it. It deals with uh, Christians and pseudo-Christians, let's, let's call it, coming under attack from the mainstream, coming under attack from the person, people that are bowed down to and submitted to because they seem to have the, I don't know, the... Uh, everyone's fascination they want to cater to them anyway that all will be found only exclusively on backstage we hope to see you there till then thank you for watching catching up this episode of catching up with jacob take care welcome to backstage this is your chance to ask questions to jacob and to our panel and also for our final um story of the day uh but i'm gonna go ahead and let davy our good friend from Australia, Down Under. He's going to be asking your questions today. So, Davey, if you would, take it away. Uh, no worries. And just a heads up, too, we probably won't get through all the questions today, too. So what we don't answer today, we'll hold over for next week. Okay, uh, Jacob, everyone, uh, our first question. Why do you talk about politics and affairs of the day instead of just talking about Bible prophecy and scripture? Ask the prophet Daniel. 
Mm. Uh, the book of Revelation largely derives much of its content from the predictions of Daniel. Daniel was told to seal these things up, and the book of Revelation seals are broken. Prophecy addresses the events that have unfolded strategically, politically, economically, and culturally across the world. We see this in Jeremiah. We see it in Zechariah. We certainly see it in Ezra and Nehemiah. We see it in Ezekiel, the first half of Ezekiel. We see it in Daniel. We see the book of Revelation picking up on these Old Testament themes to do with current events or historical events that are of prophetic significance. Jesus, in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, Luke 21, he gives an index, a litany of forthcoming events that are of a strategic, political, economic nature. Famines, pestilence, wars, rumors of wars. So we speak about the prophetic significance of what's happening in Gaza. We speak about the prophetic significance of rising food prices. We speak about the prophetic significance, pestilence of COVID. Jesus said, be alert, watch for these things. Our focus is always to look at world events and world trends, politically, strategically, economically, culturally, environmentally, in light of prophecy. It seems very spiritual to say, that's the world. We have to focus on the word of God and the kingdom of God. This mentality can be described as being so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. We are in the world, but not of it. The Hebrew prophets were inspired to write about the events of their day and the events that would be coming. That included the rise and fall of kings, dynasties, wars, rumors of wars, famines. We see the same thing in the New Testament. Jesus commanded us to be alert. We are to understand the events of the time in light of prophecy. We are continually showing how these things, AI, digital currency, whatever, fiat currencies, are moving towards Revelation 13, the advent of Antichrist, the image of the beast. We're continually showing the prophetic significance of what is happening in the Middle East and of the countries that were in the Roman Empire. Because scripture does. Those who say this speak perhaps with a well-intentioned yet pseudo-spiritual ignorance. They may be well-intentioned. They may think that they're right and it's not spiritual to look at these events. That's not what scripture says. We have to do what scripture says, what Jesus told us. Be alert when you see these things happening. These events are happening, and we have to analyze them scripturally in light of prophecy. You will never understand prophecy unless you understand history, and you will never understand prophecy unless you understand the events of the time and the coming events. You see that same thing in Isaiah, in Joel, in Zechariah, certainly in Daniel, and we see it all the way into the New Testament. We do it because the Word of God tells us to. Now, you may not agree with the way we do it, 
Perhaps we could be doing it differently or better. I'm not saying that is not the case, that that's not a valid matter for discussion in terms of approach. But the essence of doing it is something that the Word of God commands we do, so we do it. If you have a problem with it, I'm afraid your problem is not with us or with Moriel. Your problem is you're not understanding what the Scripture tells us. Yeah. I could continue that, Davy. If you went yes, to the, if you went to the book of Ezekiel, Jacob mentioned that. At one point, Ezekiel, being a priest, he takes the covenant that was being broken by Israel, and he starts with the the prince, the kings and uh, of Israel and the princes, and he goes layer by layer, methodically, indicting them. Each one, uh, you you kings, you have broken this, you stole this. Uh, then he goes down to the next layer. Then he goes to the next layer, like the uh, heads of, of businesses and shows their corruption like this on and on, all the way down to the daily um, people that just live daily lives at the bottom of the economic scale, showing how they were sleeping with their uh, neighbor's wife, how they were um how they were uh, sleeping with uh, their own daughters and things and so god showed how the corruption went from economic to moral problems everything and with this very big indictment i can't remember the chapter i'm sorry but he went through it layer by layer and showed all and exposed all of the crimes and how each one of each one of these layers of people and economic classes we're fighting against the the um, covenant, God's holy covenant. And so the indictment is laid out and the destruction of Jerusalem was coming. Today, we're seeing the destruction of the whole world through all the economies of the world. All these moral lapses, all of this, even down to transgenderism, all these sort of things are going on, even at a, at a worldwide scale, not just Israel. Now it's a worldwide scale, and it's deviation beyond what was even going in and on Jerusalem. So take a look at the, the indictments in Ezekiel. And he lines them up against the covenant. And I guarantee you, God's covenant, God's law is still in effect. And we will be indicted along the law, same lines, because we're breaking his holy law. Mm. Uh, th thank you. Um, okay, second question. Jacob. What exactly does the text of Scripture mean in 2 John verses 7 to 11? The text seems to imply an unbeliever, or is it speaking of heretics? I can read the passage if you like. Um, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not remain in the teaching of Christ does not have God. 
The one who remains in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Okay, there are three aspects of that particular passage and all three need to be understood. One was for the time in which John was writing and the circumstances, that is the Sitzum Laban, okay? There was an incipient Gnosticism getting into the church, not as big or as broad or as all permeating as it became in the third and fourth century, but there was an incipient Gnosticism even in the first century. Secondly, there was a docetism, something called docetism, the denial that Jesus actually came in the flesh. Docetists would say that when Jesus walked on the beach, if he walked on the beach, he'd leave no footprints in the sand. He only appeared to be human. He only appeared to be human. In order to bring salvation, God became a man. Jesus had to be fully human and fully divine. He had to be 100% God and 100% man. Docetism denies the literal physical incarnation of Christ. And with that, of course, he had no body and he couldn't atone for people, sin, who have bodies and raised from the dead to give eternal life to people who do physically give up the ghost. That was docetism. So those two things incipiently in a nascent form were already existing towards the end of the first century particularly as the gospel made head, head roads into the Gentile Greco-Roman culture, okay? So you're dealing with docetism and Gnosticism. The second thing you are dealing with is something that was around then and has always been around, but it will particularly have a future meaning Antichrist, Antichrist. That passage gives certain indications about the character and nature of Antichrist and what he will say and do. Now, there are many Antichrists, but all of the other Antichrists give some kind of a hint or foreshadow about the ultimate two beasts in Revelation 13. We call the Antichrist and false prophet. It's talking about not only the Antichrist that have, were there then and have always been around, but the coming ones. It is important for understanding the future. Could you read that portion again about Antichrist? Yep, no worries. Uh, let's see, where, where was it? Oh, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. That, that passage? Yes, the Antichrist will deny that Jesus came in the flesh in some way. He will represent himself as the one who did come in the flesh. It's teaching something about the Antichrist to come. I would point you to our book, Shadows of the Beast. It's addressed in there. The third is, if anyone strains too far, there is the same as there is a point of no return in Hebrews chapter 6. Okay, there is a point of no return when a backslider goes beyond that point. Judas did it. King Saul did it. Okay, the point of no return. Okay, the same as there is a point of no return morally, there is also a point of no return 
doctrinally when somebody goes into heresy. They stray too far. They deny the fundamental truths of Scripture. The most common examples of this are, one, those who deny the doctrinal infallibility of Scripture. Those who deny its doctrinal infallibility as the supreme authority God has given as his word. One example of somebody like this would be Brian McLaren. Brian McLaren from the Emergent Church fame <clears throat> said that the church should declare a moratorium on the issue of homosexuality and same-sex marriage for five years. Then if we haven't reached a consensus in five years, we should have a moratorium on even discussing it for a further five years. Then the church should decide. Notice what he's saying. The church, the church should decide. Man has authority over the word of God. He's saying the church wrote the Bible, the church can rewrite it. It's the word of the church, not the word of God in his theology. He may not have phrased it that way, but that's what he said. Then he, of course, turned around and performed the same-sex marriage for his son and his son's husband, maybe two and a half, three years after that. Brian McLaren was a person who went too far doctrinally. Another would be people who deny substitutionary atonement. William B. Young. Now, I don't know if William B. Young, the author of The Shack, was ever born again to begin with, but let's look at some people who were. The youth minister, Steve Chalk in England of Oasis Trust, would be one. He denies substitutionary atonement. He denies that Jesus died for our sins. He says that would make God the Father the quintessential cosmic child abuser. People who deny substitutionary atonement, they deny propitiation. They deny that Jesus took our sin and was executed in our place to give us eternal life by paying for what we did. They have another gospel. These are people who've gone too far. Now, I pointed out multiple times, and we must always remember this. When people go off morally and don't repent, it is almost inevitable they will also go off doctrinally. You depart from the moral teachings of Scripture, so you have to redefine your doctrinal theology to somehow justify it. Just look at what's happening. Look what happened in Hillsong with Houston and, and, and Carl Lynn. That's an example. Um, and if somebody goes off doctrinally, it is very often symptomatic that they've gone off morally. And there are endless examples of this. Mike Bickle being only perhaps the latest, but not the only one by any means. Andy Stanley, what he's doing is another example. Uh, with the homosexuality. When people directly contradict the unambiguous teaching of the Word of God on fundamental doctrines, the essentials, especially when they have another way of salvation, another gospel, they're accursed of God in Galatians. They've gone too far. They have gone into apostasy. They've gone from orthodoxy to heterodoxy. 
heterodoxy, the error of heterodoxy to heresy, from heresy to apostasy. They are no longer believers. They no longer have the assurance of salvation, and they go beyond the point of no return. There are people who have done this. There are people who are doing it now. These people who are denying the gospel of propitiation, these people who are denying the authority of Scripture, these people who are giving moral sanction and endorsement, the things that God says are moral, morally abominable, including the same-sex agenda. They have gone too far. That is what it's saying. So it is those three things. It is the Antichrist element, which has a future meaning, it is the situation for John's own time, for Gnostics and for Docetists. And then it is the caveat that there is a point of no return doctrinally, the same as there is morally. Um, King Saul, Judas, they crossed it. Don't be like them. And with this comes his warning, again, the caveat, don't listen to such people. Keep away from them. Keep away from the new apostolic reformation. Keep away from the ecumenical movement. The ecumenical movement is willing to compromise with the false gospel of Rome, that you atone for your own sin in purgatory when the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. If they're ecumenical, keep away from them. They are poison. They are toxic. If somebody is ecumenical, have nothing to do with them. No matter what they say about being born again and saved, Keep away from them. They are toxic. They are dangerous. They are deceived, and they're deceiving others. Ecumenism is a case. Those people who think The Shack is a wonderful book are foolish mm -hmm. people. Its author denies that Jesus died for our sin. He's not a Christian. If he ever was, he's not one now. We are warned, keep away from them. You've got a copy of The Shack? Burn it. There's a point of no return doctrinally. Keep away from those people who will mislead you that way. Currently, the arch voices of Satan in this regard, in this sphere, are the new apostolic reformation, but they are not the only ones. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, great answer. Great answer. Um, hey, can I ask one quick question, Jacob? Jacob, you're saying to burn that book. Are you equating this uh, this stuff with as much as with witchcraft? I mean, because that's what you would usually do in the Bible. Sure. I mean, of course, rebellion is mm -hmm. the sin of witchcraft. If you're denying Absolutely. the gospel, if you're denying the gospel that Jesus died for our sin, and that He took our sin to give us His righteousness, died our death to give us His life. If you deny that, like William B. Young does. Mm -hmm. That is rebellion against the Lord. Mm -hmm. It is indeed witchcraft. It's spiritual seduction. That book is a cult. It has occult elements in this in, in its narrative. First scripture that Thanks, came to mind. <clears throat> Would you like to any to add anything there, Ken? No, I just said that was the first scripture that came to my mind. Yep. Rebellion is a sin, rich craft. <clears throat> awesome. Okay. Um, got somebody here wanting to know, can you recommend uh, some good Bible translations for them? 
we've talked about this many times. There are good translations and bad ones. The first and foremost thing we need to understand is that the priority is always on the original meaning of the original languages in the original context. Nehemiah 8.8 is the only time that God ever saw a need to address the issue of translations. Something God only said once and saw a need to say once, the priority is on the original autographs and the original languages. There are bad translations and good ones. This is a complicated subject. We have various teachings explaining it. We warn about pseudologons, false words of God. Keep away from things like the Jehovah's Witness New World Translation. It is a bastardization of the text. They actually invented and actually invented an indefinite article that doesn't exist in the Greek language. The word was a god. There's no such thing in Greek. There's only word and the word. Hologos. They come up with a. It, 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 that is how ridiculous it is. Anybody who had one semester of, 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 of Greek language education would know the Jehovah's Witness Bible is false. Another is the Eugene Peterson bastardization of God's word, uh, the message, which is Rick Warren's Bible of choice. You've got that thing, burn it. Obviously, yes. there are also inclusivist texts that it takes out, it's, it's censored Bibles that take out biblical prohibitions against homosexuality. Also, the, the, trying to affirm the femininity as well as the masculinity of God. Those are not the word of God. Those are corrupt texts. We should not touch them. After that, it gets complicated. The debate between uh, dynamic equivalence and, and literalist translations. I can't go into it. I'd have to point you point you to some of our teachings uh, where we deal with these things. Plastic Bible. Yeah, yeah the plastic, the plastic Bible. Bible. Bible translations. These are on our website, moriel.org. Yeah. Um, and you can uh, download those for free. There's yes. three hours. Bible, Bible translations. Yeah, the plastic Bible. Those are on our website for free. Thank you, David. Um, with all due respect to the King James, which is a valid translation, it does have errors. This is not an attack on the King James. It is an attack on King James only. Be careful of those Ruckmanite crackpots who say that the King James is the only authorized translation of the Word of God. Ruckman actually said additions to the King James 1611 uh, edition or further revelation, directly contradicting what it says in Revelation 22. Anyone adds to this word, well, Ruckman says things were added. And he was a personally a moral man anyway and a racist. Nonetheless, I'm not against the King James, but beware of the King James only crackpots. Um, the other thing is to understand there's no perfect translation. There are good ones and bad ones. A very literalist translation is Young's literal. There's nothing more literal in the English language than Young, but you can't read it. You can never preach from it or witness from it. It's too literal. Because there are things in the Greek grammar that don't exist in English that you can't put into English. They have tenses that don't 
really translate into English tenses. It's literal, but it's too literal. It's not wrong, but if anybody could understand the nuances of the Greek grammar, they don't need a hyper-literalist translation because they can read Greek. Be careful. <clears throat> the Amplified <laughs> is a good Bible for people, especially who don't know Greek or Hebrew. In brackets and in parentheses, it gives the nuances, not all of them, but most of the nuances of the original languages. It's a good study Bible, the Amplified, but you can't preach or witness from it. It's punctuated with these bracket explanations of what the original languages may infer. The New American Standard is a pretty good translation. The New English Version, not the NIV, not New International, but NEV, New English Version, is quite a good translation, particularly from the Greek. There are good translations, and there are bad ones, but there is no perfect one. Nonetheless, the doctrinal essence, the gospel, and the doctrinal essence of scriptures are found in valid translations. They are inevitably either corrupted or omitted from bad translations. The most dangerous of one in vogue at the present time is Eugene Peterson's The Message. That thing comes from the pit of hell. It is unbelievable how it mistranslates the Greek. And in other cases, other, other passages. It's terrible Bible. Don't have anything to do with it. A final word about paraphrases. Paraphrases are dangerous, but they can have their uses in certain circumstances. For instance, there are drugs that are dangerous. I mean legitimate pharmaceutical compounds prescribed in a hospital say. There are drugs that are dangerous, that have side effects, and that have a high risk of, um, uh, I'm thinking Hebrew, forgive me, this always happens to me. Uh, I used to fill prescriptions for a living in Israel. Contraindications, contraindications between medications. There are dangerous medications that you shouldn't use except in extreme circumstances. There are even restrictions on a, a physician's authority to prescribe these drugs. Sometimes they, they have to be reported to the FDA if you've even given it out in, in certain cases. They're so dangerous. But they have a use. Let's look at paraphrases. When you have little children, four, five, and six, say under the age of seven, and they're just learning to read, and you want to teach them the gospel and about Jesus, there are children's Bibles that are paraphrases as a temporary provision until those kids can read. If you can get a doctrinally sound and cogent children's Bible that will teach the truths of the gospel to a child and a child's level of reading and comprehension, I'm not against it, but realize it is only there 
as a temporary provision until the kid can read. Another case are certain missiological situations. One that I've always pointed out over the years is when the Wycliffe translators went to a certain tribal culture in equatorial Africa. Far from Mount Kilimanjaro, the people had no concept of snow whatsoever. Most of them have never been more than a day's journey from the village in which they were born in the deep equatorial tropics. They knew nothing about snow. And while they were trying to, and they had no written language, no written language. So the Wycliffe translators first had to get their tribal language into script. <laughs> had to teach them to read before you can teach them to read the Bible. But then you had a problem with what do you do with Isaiah 118? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Hebrews had Mount Hermon. They know what snow is. People in East Africa, they have Mount Kilimanjaro. They know what snow is. Okay. There are other places in the tropics, in Africa and elsewhere, the people don't know what snow is. So they translated, though their sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as coconut. It didn't change the meaning. Eventually, they were able to show people films and pictures of snow and get them to read a Bible that's in white as snow. But while they were trying to evangelize them, while they were trying to give them the gospel and see them get saved, while they were trying to put their tribal language into a written form, while they were trying to teach these people to read so they could read the Bible, and they had no written language, as a temporary provision, missionaries have done things like that. Again, you don't want it permanent. It's only a temporary provision. In those cases, we can allow for paraphrases, but only temporarily. There should be no long-term place for a paraphrase in the life of any believer. They need to get a good translation. And yes, the King James, although not perfect and it has some mistakes, is a valid translation. What's not valid are the Ruckmanites and the Kooks. Now, there are some King James-only people who are more moderate, like the Trinitarian Bible Society. They are King James-only because they came from a time in their origins when there were other translations that were not good, that were downplaying the Trinity, and they were trying to re reinforce the belief of one God in three persons. I don't attract, I don't attack the Trinity Bible Society because I understand their origins, what they were up against, their motives. I'm not putting them down. But the followers of Peter Ruckman, that the King James has superiority, priority over the original languages, this is crazy. This is crazy. And those who say there's no error in the King James, there are mistakes. And then there's, of course, that crackpot, that fraud, that absurd woman who can't even read Greek or Hebrew. Her degree was in home economics. She wrote this ridiculous book. She was exposed by, I think, Wayne House. She couldn't even read Greek herself. Her name was uh, uh, Gail Ripplinger. What a mm. fraud. A complete and utter fraud. 
And she was using techniques in her book that were Kabbalistic. She was doing with the text of the King James exactly what Kabbalistic Jews, Hasidic Jews, do with the Hebrew. It was just mysticism. A combination of mysticism and pseudo-academic fraud. That's Gail Ripplinger. She used Don't her worry. initials, Jacob, as God and Ripplinger. Yeah. Other people have done this. The British Israelite kooks that say that the Anglo-Saxon and Anglo-Celtic nations are the lost tribe of Israel. They take the first words in Genesis, in the beginning, okay? Breshit. Be in Reshit, in the beginning, Breshit. And they say, see, British. <laughs> crackpot nonsense. But unfortunately, yeah. we have no shortage of crackpots. Next question. Yep. Well, thank you, Jacob. And look, the Plastic Bible is actually up on YouTube. I'll post the link in the, um, the chat shortly. Um, thank you, David. Just going back to the first question and just an observation and I'd like all you guys to comment uh, a lot of these pastors if you want to call them that that tell people you know don't worry about end times prophecies prophecy don't look at prophecy and all the rest of it when you look at them most of them are involved in the most woke political agendas possible like Rick Warren for example had his peace plan he spoke at TED talks mm -hmm. and all the likes you guys want to comment on the sheer hypocrisy about this we've addressed this before jesus commanded in the imperative be alert watch for these signs mm -hmm. you can either believe jesus christ or rick warren one of them is a liar and a deceiver either jesus christ is a liar and a deceiver or rick warren is a liar and a deceiver you know rick warren who held hands with elton john before the u.s senate hearings and said, if I kissed you, it would be the kiss heard around the world. That Rick Warren. That mm. Rick Warren said, when you see a person involved in substance abuse and living immorally, don't tell them to repent. Just tell them to accept Jesus. And then he'll clean them up. Confusing justification with sanctification. If somebody doesn't repent, Jesus isn't coming into their life. A false gospel. That Rick Warren. Mm. He also did an unbelievable hatchet job with Acts chapter 1, mm. which was basically cut and paste asegesis, trying to say that Jesus said we shouldn't worry about prophecy. He, that's mm. not what Jesus was saying in Acts 1. He did a cut and paste hatchet job asegetically on the text to make it say something different than it does. Rick Warren is a deceiver with a lying spirit from hell. That man works for the devil. He mm -hmm. was one of the ones who said this. And yes, people have gone into certain aspects of dominion theology, but certainly those in New Apostolic Reformation and those who've gone with the woke agenda, they don't like prophecy. Keep away from such people. Jesus commanded, we be alert and watch for these signs. Listen to Jesus. Don't listen to them. Amen. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. I'll hand it back to you, Jay. Uh, we'll keep the rest of the questions for next week. We've got quite a few to go. All right. Well, thank you uh, for the your questions. And uh, 
Our last story, we have to definitely talk a little bit about this. New information about the Lakewood shooter. Lakewood Church being Joel Osteen's church down in Houston. Um, Jacob, Ken, David, I'm going to read you some of the excerpts of some of the things that the shooter said, who, by the way, went by a male name and a female name. Um, a mentally unstable woman walks into a pro-Israel church with a rifle that says Palestine on it. After appearing in a hijab and there's an uncomfortable fidgeting, the police claimed that she had anti-Semitic writings. They neglected to mention the overt support for Islamic terrorism. Here are some of the things that were found that she had said. On her Telegram post, Morenos said, I call on all Muslim college people, invite me to your next pro-Israel rally. I have two surprises in support of Palestine. She wrote that on January 3rd, 2024. Uh, on January 3rd, 2024, she also wrote, Allah is willing, I will, dot, 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 Jews to send my message to Wali Karanza. Don't worry, my Muslim brothers. I am past the threat phase. I am in the planning mode. Please don't message me private trying to stop me. Marino also expressed admiration for Osama bin Laden, who she referred to as uncle, and made several posts in which she expressed the desire to kill Jews and wage jihad. In a quote, I always knew I had a purpose to do for Islam and Christianity. We must all come together. Christians need the heart that they had back in the days of revival of the old age. But this time, to kill the Jews, hashtag war jihad, my jihad, she posted December 23rd, 2023. She also shared contact from the Resistant News Network, a radical anti-Zionist English language telegram channel that promotes violence against Israel. Now, presumably, if we look at the dates of all of these things, there was an immense amount of warning, both online and in public, that this woman has made threats that she was going to become radicalized and do violence. My only question is, how can the police, how can the FBI, who supposedly monitor this, not stop something like that occurred uh, just last week in, in Houston? First of all, the corrupt FBI, also known as the American Gestapo, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation, is too busy spying on Christian parents who object to their children being indoctrinated with homosexuality at the age of four, five, and six. The FBI yes. is a political police force. It is an anti-American Gestapo. Don't expect anything from the FBI or the Justice Department. They're corrupt and they're anti-American. They were never any good, going back to J. Edgar Hoover, only now they're worse. The FBI cannot be reformed or redeemed. It needs to be abolished and replaced. Yes. That's to begin with, so forget the FBI. You may as well be talking about the Gestapo. They don't care about America. They care about the political agenda of the establishment. Now, two aspects of this 
shooter, the transgender shooter. I remember the Westboro Baptist Church, basically one extended family that was a cult that were into the whole thing with the placards, God hates fags. And they were standing mm -hmm. in front of the funerals of American troops whose corpses were sent back in body bags from Iraq and Afghanistan. And they were protesting at the funerals of Americans killed in combat and, and insulting their families and saying, this was God's judgment on your son and on American. These were nuts. The mainstream media had no problem using these people as a representation of all politically conservative, Bible-believing Christians. They tried to paint us all with that brush. But when you have a transsexual shooter going into a school, a Christian school in Nashville shooting people, you're not allowed to discuss the fact that they were transgender. There was another case after that. And now you have this one, an anti-Semite and a murderer going into a church with a gun. You're not allowed to talk about the fact that they're transgender. Then, of course, is the Islamic dimension. The scum machine. The scum machine can be either Democrat or Republican. After September 11th, George Bush going to the greatest lengths, doing somersaults, to defend Islam as a religion of peace. <laughs> Forget about what the persecuting Christians in Saudi Arabia. He was a filthy liar like his damnable father. Him and Cheney, the scum machine. Don't offend Islam. Forget about what they do to non-Muslims. Forget about what they do to Christians. It's a religion of peace. They know it isn't. They're lying, but they're liars. George Bush was a liar like his no-good father and like Janie, and like Janie's daughter. This is the scum machine. Anti-American and anti-Christian, no matter what they say. Then you have the Democrat scum machine. Barack Obama's apology tour. He criticizes Christians for holding on to their Second Amendment rights and their religion. He criticizes people for holding on to their constitutional Second Amendment rights and their faith. But he sings the praises of Islam. It's the sweetest sound, the Muzain. <laughs> Back to the Muslim Brotherhood. He was against a sissy. Stopping the Muslim Brotherhood that runs Hamas from taking over Egypt. The scum machine. Barack Obama is anti-American, anti-Christian scum. You've got the Republican scum machine, and you have the Democrat scum machine, but they're both scum. Don't defend Islam. Don't talk about the anti-Semitism and the Jew hatred. Ignore that bit. You might offend people who are trying to kill us, who hate us, who persecute Christians, in Pakistan and Saudi Arabia and Iran, you might offend them. The scum machine. So you're seeing the dual standards, a corrupt justice department with a Gestapo FBI, and you are seeing the scum machine. That is what this comes to. S-C-U-M. 
the Democrat scum, the Republican scum, the mainstream media scum. Don't tell the truth about the fact that these people were transgender. Don't tell the truth about the anti-Semitism in Islam. Don't tell the truth. You might offend them. Instead, you turn on Christians and you turn on Israel. That is the reality. Jacob, I'd like to add another component. We had this shooting in Lakewood recently, but we had one at the same, uh, against uh, Joel Olstein's father, and it was the the bomber, uh, Unabomber, sent the bomb. And if you remember, he was part of the MK Ultra brainwashing by the CIA. So. There is a component, maybe a government component to all this, too. Yes. Well, the corrupt government, the Justice Department, they tried to label Christians and conservatives as a terrorist threat, ignoring the real terrorist threat. Increasingly radical homosexuals and Islamic immigration. Yeah. terrorists coming across the border. You ignore the real threat and you mislabel somebody else who was not a threat as a threat. That is the Republican Party, that is the Rhinos, that is the Bush dynasty, and that is certainly the Democratic Party and the Obama administration. That is the mainstream media. That is MSNBC, that is CNN, that is the Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, Reuters, take your pick. And the five eyes. Yeah, the five eyes. Yeah, the was um, um, an illegal um, immigrant too. Um, she was yeah, in the sure. country illegally and voted in the elections. Yeah. Correct. Ignore the fact that they're an illegal immigrant performing these crimes. Those guys yeah. who attacked the cop, cops in New York, illegal immigrants. Forget yeah. the illegal yeah. immigrants who perpetrate ra- rape and murder. That woman in San Francisco. You, yeah. you have to overlook the fact that they're in the country illegally. Yep, you oh, yeah. more most than illegal you. immigrants are not most illegal immigrants are not criminals. Yes, they are. They've committed a crime. Their very yeah. presence in the country without a proper visa or authorization is a crime in itself. Every illegal immigrant is a criminal and should be treated yeah. like it. Do you think that the mainstreaming of uh, Lakewood is basically like this attack will help to make and foster Lakewood as the acceptable Christianity for for the future? Also a danger. You have enough naive and undiscerning Christians who are going to try to make Lakewood seem like a Christian church when it is simply a consumerist church. Their only God is famine. Their only gospel is positive speaking. Jacob, I think that's the most, that most dangerous right there. Do you think that might have been? Do you think that might have been a mistake by the devil, actually sending somebody against one of his own? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. There, there's no such thing as bad press. Yeah. 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 But I, I, well, can I bring up the the the? They thought he was five year old, but he's seven years old. And he got shot in the head, yeah. you know, hit her son. And uh, we should remain in prayer for him because he's he's lost. They they took out his his grandmother uh-huh. made a um, yeah, his grandmother made an, a a comment um 
uh, yesterday and, and they took out half of his um his brain lobe so we just pray for him yeah an innocent victim well also i i heard another story and i can't confirm it but i did hear that the mother is a rabbi and she was trying yes. to get this yes. child from her yes and yes so yes yes yeah as as this conflict within been part and parcel of the hatred so. yeah yeah most certainly he's got played, personal yeah, family issues kind of. got personal family issues personal psychiatric issues yeah. and that was the impetus for his actions yeah yeah, yeah. By the way, if she's a legal alien, I, I mean, Texas has pretty open buying of arms laws, but I still think you need to have be a citizen to purchase a firearm yeah. in the United States. I don't think she legally purchased that, and I think she got it somehow, and mm -hmm. then she engraved the uh, Free Palestine in the in the stock. Yep. Well, look, that just there's... tells you about. Yeah, it just tells you about her. Yeah, there's a lot of illegal arms out there that you can purchase, and also people who oh, love yeah. money are glad to help out crazy people. And, and, and look, you know, at the bottom of Little Bighorn, the Sioux <laughs> bought their rifles from white people at trading posts before the battle. <laughs> yeah, they bought. Yep. Yep. <laughs> You're 100 percent correct. Buffalo, or traded buffalo furs for them, or something. They they yep. obtain the web the rifles legally. Yep. Hmm. Yep. That's an interesting side note. Uh with that, yeah. I think I'm gonna call it quits for today. Thank you all for uh watching and staying with us. Uh if I could, Ken, uh would you close this out today? Yeah. I, I wrote down a little prayer and I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna just say thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for blessing our time together. I pray you will help us to have an insight into the things that are going on in the world and to also approach things that with the spirit of fear, not with the spirit of fear, but with the spirit of power, and that we may also be able to speak the truth and love to all those around us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we will see you again next time Marco will be with us. Uh, Till then, this has been another episode of Catching Up with Jacob. God bless. God bless.